Well, happy Easter, everyone, or is it? It's so hard to imagine where we find ourselves right now. It's Easter Sunday, and typically more people are in church on Easter Sunday than any other time of the year. Yet this Easter, we find ourselves quarantined in our own homes. We try to go outside and walk around a little bit to change our perspective. The beauty of spring is everywhere, yet it feels so dark and eerie. You know, this past week, our Surgeon General said, this next week's gonna be our Pearl Harbor moment, our 9-11 moment. It's going to be the hardest moment for many Americans in their entire lives. Well, there's nothing encouraging about that. Now, I know that to be a good leader, I need to encourage you. That's part of my job. But for me to say that everything is going to be okay, well, on the surface, that would be extremely presumptive. For many people in our country and throughout the world, and perhaps in your life, things are not anywhere close to okay. In fact, for some of you, this may be the most difficult moment in your life. So that brings us to Easter. How can we celebrate Easter in this mess? I think that's a great question. Now, honestly, I don't think I've ever had to think much about Easter. It's been handed to me over time. I've known it as a church celebration. We sing special songs about the resurrection of Jesus. Pastors keep trying to come up with new ways of trying to describe what happened on that first Easter. There are a lot of Easter lilies around. People get dressed up, go to church. Many who only go to church on Easter Sunday. We have these buzz phrases like the tomb is empty and he is risen and many other things that are important to Christians. Now don't get me wrong, I probably do all of that, but is Easter all about the church and Christians? Did you know that Easter's not mentioned in the Bible one time? Well, it was written one time in the King James Version in the book of Acts, but when you look it up in the Greek, it simply means Passover. I submit that Easter and all that it means is not simply for Christians to celebrate. In fact, if that is where we leave it, we miss the whole point. Easter is for all of humanity. It's a gift that is given to every person on earth. So today, whoever you are, wherever you are, I wanna share this gift with you. I want you to see that in the middle of all this mess, Easter is the perfect answer to the problem. Yes, this is a very dark time, but that's what Easter's for. Easter is not afraid of the truth of darkness. It's the answer to that truth. There's an incredible passage of scripture in the Psalms that was written by a very depressed King David. He stated, send out your light and truth, let them guide me. Well, light and truth can't be separated. The truth is that we're in a very dark place right now, thus the need for light. Today's Easter is for you, whoever you are, wherever you are. Now, I want you to do something for me right now. I want you to lean into our time together. You may have preconceived ideas about all of this, but I want you to put those ideas aside, and I want you to open your mind to an idea that today has been created for you. I want us to begin with a song that gives you a place to start. It's actually a great beginning place to understand what this day is all about. I want you to know how much God loves you, how much he is pursuing you, no matter who you are, no matter where you are.
As a church, we've been going through a teaching series called Jesus. It's actually a study from the first gospel that was written in the New Testament called the book of Mark. Today is the last day of that study, and today is a story about an ending and a beginning. 
It's about the ending of Jesus' life on earth and the beginning of life for us. In light of where we find ourselves today, I want to start with the ending of Jesus' life. It's a very fitting place to begin because it's filled with darkness. According to history, all of the critical events of the end of Jesus' life happened in darkness. His last time in prayer before his crucifixion, his betrayal, his trial, all of this happened at nighttime. Then when Jesus was hung on the cross, we learned that the entire land went into darkness for three hours in the middle of the day while Jesus was dying. In the Bible, darkness during the daytime was always a sign of God's displeasure and judgment. But who was he judging? I'll come back to that in a little while. You know, physical darkness brings disorientation, but there are other types of darkness that can really mess up our lives. As stated in my earlier remarks, we're in a very dark time right now. It's totally disorienting. We think we're strong, but then we hear something in the news or some tragic coronavirus story of death, and we have to deal with all of the emotions of that. Our imaginations run wild with scenarios that we hope and pray we can avoid. Emotional darkness can come from fear, depression, rejection, or great loss, and that darkness can derail your life. I know that darkness well because I lived with it for a significant part of my life. In fact, that darkness has formed much of who I am today. Because of what I want to communicate to you today, I find that I have to be rather vulnerable about a part of my life that I don't talk much about. In fact, I don't think I've ever talked about this in great depth to anyone other than my wife, Pam. Because of circumstances way beyond my control, at a very young age, I found myself in a very lonely and what I now understand a very unhealthy place as a child. How I got there is not really important for the sake of the story, and I've been able to appropriate all the forgiveness necessary to move forward in my life, but nothing can change what happened to me. From about the age of 10 and until I graduated from high school, I was pretty much alone. I literally had no friends. It wasn't that I didn't want friends, but because of what I experienced, I was convinced that I would never be good enough for friends. I was pretty sure there was something wrong with me, and when people would find out about me, they would not want anything to do with me. I, re I remember this old Wonder Bread commercial on TV where they used to talk about the wonder years that every child had. They call it the formative years. And apparently, you were supposed to eat a lot of Wonder Bread during those years in order to develop correctly. Well, I guess I didn't eat the bread because I didn't have any Wonder Years. Wonder would not be a term that you would use to describe my life. Those, those years had a profound negative effect on me. So in college, I decided to remake my life into something that I could control. Well, that only led to one bad decision after another. I'd do almost anything for acceptance, yet I would do everything in my power to avoid close relationships, as that could only end in disaster. Talk about a dark place. I was totally disoriented. Everything I needed, I pushed away, and I'd gravitate to the things that would only torpedo my life. I remember as a young child creating a fantasy of sorts. I created a kind of room. I didn't look at it like a room, but it was a sphere, a place that was just mine. While I couldn't control what happened to me on the outside, I could control my room. I could decide who got in and who did not. I could create the me that I wanted in my room, someone I could like. And no one could change that. I was safe in my room. Now, I'm sure there's some kind of psychological analysis or profile for what I'm describing. After many years of study and of healing, I realized I'm describing the resultant elements of child trauma. Whatever it was, I know it is something that no one would ever want. 
But there was a silver lining in all of this, something I didn't expect. As many of you know, my dad was a pastor, but he didn't just talk about religion. He had an incredible relationship with Jesus Christ. He didn't preach sermons alone. He lived as if he was friends with Jesus. He would talk about Jesus, talk to Jesus, listen to Jesus. To me, it was very real. So in my childlike brokenness, I decided that Jesus could come into my room. Apparently, he wouldn't hurt me. One of my dad's favorite songs was an old hymn called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I only remember the first couple of lines. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. But that's all I needed. I didn't really have that many sins, but I really had some grief. And if Jesus would help me with that, I'd take it. While not ideal, it was in that room that I got to know Jesus. This wasn't a religion to me. He became the one and only friend I could trust. He loved me no matter what. At that stage in my life, I was totally in the dark about the reason for my pain. It was senseless. It should never have happened. Taking it a little further, it has impacted almost everything in my life. But today, I can truly say that if it took all of that pain to meet this one friend, Jesus, I would choose to go through all of that pain again because I met the one person who could bring real life to someone like me. Let me ask you a question. Are there some things in your life that should have never happened? Have there been some things that you wish would have gone any other way than the way that they did? What's in your room? One thing I've discovered is that many people cram things into their room so they don't have to deal with the emptiness of the room. It could be money, friends, career, busyness, drugs, alcohol, fun, thrill. It happens. We would do almost anything to deaden the pain that we feel in the darkness. I get it. But there's one thing, actually one person, Jesus, who if you let him in the room, he can take all the hurt, all the loss, all of it, and create a wonderful destiny from the darkness. As I said earlier, darkness during the daytime was always a sign of God's displeasure and judgment. But who was God judging? Well, the truth is he judged his own son, Jesus. He laid every sin, every failure, every shortcoming in our lives on Jesus. When God pulled away from Jesus and left him on that cross, he was telling you how much he loves you. And when Jesus enters your room, you know that there is one friend who has gone to all depths of darkness simply to love you. Jesus is truly the beauty of the darkness. So what does this have to do with Easter? Well, the book of Mark ends in a rather strange way. Unlike the other Gospels, Mark doesn't write much about the resurrection. In fact, if you look at a Bible, you will see that there are two alternate endings for the book, neither of which were written by Mark. He only wrote eight verses about the resurrection, and he only talked about three women who went to the tomb to find that Jesus was not there. The story ends with these dear women running from the tomb in fear, running to meet the disciples and tell them that Jesus came back to life. You see, the disciples, not even his closest followers, thought that he would ever come back from the dead. Now, this is where Easter can become important to us. We read in the other Gospels about Jesus' appearance to his followers after his death. And there's special emphasis on something that the disciples were not prepared to deal with. When they saw Jesus' hands and his feet, they saw scars. These scars were problems for the disciples because these scars were ruining their plans for a governmental takeover. But the scars were everything. 
When they looked at the scars, the disciples were reminded of what Jesus did for them. The scars that they thought ruined their lives actually saved their lives. It's the same for you and me. The scars that we bear in our lives, the things that we think were going to ruin us, are the things that will actually save our lives. When I say that Easter can become important, I'm saying that it can become important to you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that can bring life to your dead places, those places in your room that you don't want anyone to see or touch. I wish I could tell you that you will never have to deal with the painful things in your room again. That simply is not true. I will carry some of the scars of my life to my grave. But God has healed me of the things that disabled me. He's given me strength where I had no strength, and He has loved me, and that's all I needed. Seeing His scars helps me to move outside the walls of my room and live in a resurrected strength that only He can give. The only thing I had to do was make room for Him in my room. That was all. He made light of the darkness. Knowing that makes all the difference in the world. What I want to say right now is for every person who will hear this message, it's for the committed Christ follower, it's for the religious person, it's for the irreligious person, it's for the person who has never attended a church, it's for the person who does not believe in God, it's for everyone. Lean into what I am about to say. Wherever you find yourself today, make room in your room for at least one more person, Jesus. You don't even have to really know what that means yet. You simply open the door to your life, your room, and make some room for Him. You can say it out loud. You can think it in your mind. But allow yourself to open the door to the one friend who can bring life where there's emptiness or pain or despair. I want to pause right now and let you hear a song that I heard for the first time last month. The moment I heard it, I knew it was going to be our Easter song. I want you to listen to this. Read the words and perhaps make this your prayer.
I want to close with one final thought. In this dark time in our world, we have to deal with fear. What would happen if, and you can fill in the blank. We try not to think about the unimaginable, but it's there. Here's something I found out. The only time I ever faced death personally was several years ago when it was discovered that I had a brain tumor. At the time, no one knew whether or not it was malignant. The prevalent thought was that it was benign, but we just didn't know. So the plan was to go to the University of Virginia Hospital for surgery. The night before my surgery, Pam and I stayed at a hotel about a mile away from UVA. We had an early morning intake scheduled, and for whatever reason, I decided that I wanted to walk to the hospital. Pam went ahead in the shuttle, and I walked that mile in drizzling rain. I was glad it was raining because it hid my tears. I was thinking, what if this doesn't go well? And for a moment, I wanted to go back into my room and hide. Yeah, that room. But then I realized that Jesus was in that room, in every room I would ever go into. And I knew he had this. He's had it all the time. By the time I got to the hospital, I realized I was no longer scared, not even scared of death. This was such a wonderful realization. Today, some of you have made the decision to invite Jesus into the darkest corner of your world. It's the best decision you will ever make. It's what Easter is all about. You can move from death to life. You get to choose. If you've chosen to invite Jesus into your life, we'd like to help you move forward in that decision. So on your screen, there's a link entitled Connect With Us. There's a short form to fill out. And when you get to the section that says, I would like to begin a real relationship with God, just check that box. We'll be in touch to help you move forward with this decision. One last thing. Happy Easter. Even in this dark time, this is the best day ever. I love you.